Welcome to Careers Takeoff, where we learn about how careers are changing and how people are changing their careers. I'm your host, Conrad Chua. Many of us are taking those first steps back into the office after almost two years through repeated lockdowns and COVID restrictions. But the office we're returning to is going to look a lot different than before COVID. Here today to talk about how the office and the notions of work are changing, we have Dr. Ronita Baden, an assistant professor at the University of Cambridge um, Architecture Department, who will be who's done a lot of work in terms of studying how work and the office is changing through the pandemic. Ronita, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Conrad, for uh, inviting me to share my thoughts on this very new, evolving topic. So probably I I'm also at the junction or the transition to learn a lot of things. Ronita, what is changing in terms of how organizations are approaching office design as a result of the pandemic? I think the very first response was an immediate response to kind of um, do social distancing. So the first thing we saw that those offices which was absolutely uh, what could not go offline, um, could not, sorry, could not go online, were, uh, had to take some very strict measures. So the first, I think, response was uh, make workers, um, office workers sit alternate to each other in the, in the seats. And that's, that's, that's okay because it does maintain the uh, social distancing norm, but we have to understand these people would be staying there for eight hours. So there's a lot of to do with ventilation, but um, slowly I came to know about new forms of community workspaces, which were kind of thriving. It was almost like office in my neighborhood, which doesn't look like an office and looks like a coffee shop, but not necessarily that anybody can just come in and buy a coffee and sit and chat and go away. You literally have to, uh, you will see people working there for eight hours and still looks like a fun place, um, recreation place, and yet is serving the purpose of office. So each seat is probably representing different offices or different organizations. And that was very fascinating for me that how does this completely community um, sort of a space where we work, used to work with our, our neighbors would be belong to the same organization now completely changed. And we are all like in mini pods, if I may say, an invisible uh, balloon inside these community workspaces, negotiating with our online um, colleagues and doing our work. And right beside me, there's probably somebody else who's working um, on a from a different organization, from a different organization, working on a very different topic. And um, yeah, probably the needs are very different. And yet, everybody could spend their time in these community working spaces without uh, much of uh, trying to see that how much obstacles or hindrances they would face, which we probably never thought during pre-pandemic. I, I don't think we ever gave a thought. So offices are, I think, at still this point, are still trying to figure out whether it's a 50% occupancy that they will allow, whether it's a 30% occupancy that they will allow. And with the restrictions being uh, changing uh, quite drastically and quite frequently, it was very difficult to also make a norm of how to bring back uh, people back to offices. So I think majority of, of the offices were actually uh, abstaining from actually calling their workers back. So I, I think it's it's still a, a, a question to be, um, to be seen or answered maybe two to three years down the line, how we actually changed. But we uh, partnered with um, organization 
uh, where they were they were these community workspaces and we wanted to see why people go there first what is the ease of working from there second uh, as opposed to home second was um, would can this be a future uh, of work model would would offices actually no longer be the same pre-pandemic as what we have seen in the pre-pandemic world? So I, I got very inquisitive. So we got a huge amount of data where we monitored these workspaces during lockdown, post-lockdown, and we are still monitoring. So we have like one year worth of data to respond to what makes people choose a particular seat, what makes people go into these places, what makes people choose these sort of organizations as their alternate working spaces. I know you're still in the middle of collecting data, et cetera, but are there any sort of insights or surprises that, that you found after this one year of, of collecting that sort of data? Yes, surprise was initially, if you walk into an office space, what would you see? You would see quite a linear pattern of seating arrangement and quite a similar workspace behavior. So you you might find most of the working uh, people in a particular organization has a very similar sort of behavior with the working desk or with the, with the seat arrangement, with their communication with their neighbors. That completely changed. So now you can, you walk into these spaces, um, you might find somebody just at your arm's length and probably working in a different industry, different sector, so there is less communication between these co-working spaces between the people. So it's, it's more of a social communication rather than work-related communication. So it might, uh, might be it is, looked, it is probably viewed by these people as a more relaxation, that you're not very stressed with your hierarchy of organization be overlooking at you. Or uh, I, I think that sort of communication is completely gone. Or maybe they're discussing about what they do but there is no uh, sort of reporting back. There is no sort of, uh, uh, I would say nobody is compelled to discuss about their work if they don't want to. So I think that's also looked upon as a more of a stress um, release rather than a more stressful environment. So as soon as you walk into these future, these kind of community workspaces, which we saw, uh, that environment really looked like a coffee shop. But yet you would understand that people are really submerged in their work and they are very concentrated. They, everybody is communicating with each other. And so these sort of activities are going on. And that was the first. Second, what we, uh, we noticed was we were very curious. We said that do people choose window seats versus the seats which were in the middle? And so does these organizations have to think about reorienting seating arrangement you can't have it like a coffee shop like all seats uh, clustered in certain place and we started looking at um, office occupancy schedules over the year or during the pandemic post-pandemic um, lockdown and um, and then we we, we did see uh, certain seats were chosen and these were like random people they didn't know about uh, the seating arrangement when they entered the place they just make a choice as soon as they see a particular uh, arrangement. So it was quite spontaneous choice. So that kind of helped. So we wanted to know that what was the spontaneous choice that we're making. And if somebody is revisiting the space for more than twice or thrice, do they tend to choose the same seat or they tend to choose a different seat? And we found out that, yes, to some extent, people do tend to move towards 
spaces which have natural light may not be natural ventilation, but a little bit away from the openings of the air conditioning units. So it's probably psychological or probably, uh, so we, we, will, we will understand that, but we did find that. Secondly, we did find, uh, we, are, we, are, we are still, but this is, this is more of understanding the spatialness behavior of these um, office uh, arrangements and office design. We, did, we were interested to find out which are the major conflict points in, in a regular office. So what we did was we did a simulation work to see that where, throughout the day, where does people actually tend to congregate? So maybe the printer, maybe the coffee machine, maybe uh, the recreation space. So can we redesign so that these sort of spaces also do not become places of crowdedness? So we kind of uh, tried to do a well, office arrangement where we kind of um, uh, saw that whenever a particular space got overcrowded be beyond a certain value, we said that we can't have this arrangement. So we changed the arrangement immediately. And so we slowly started optimizing the design process based on the crowdedness index. But my concern is not only this, the future work of work would also be quite dominated by technology like avatars and metaverse. So when these sort of technologies start getting incorporated in offices, do they still need a uh, regimented office design space or there's a need for something else? I think that sort of uh, technology intervention would be very interesting to study and that's what we are looking for. And I do see a lot of organizations now inclining towards that. People have realized that not all uh, events in the office uh, environment needs to be in person. Okay. No, that, that's very interesting. I'm reminded... Um, of what I learned or I heard someone in Google say that they ran studies on how long the queue would be to yeah. pick up food because they didn't want it to yeah. be so fast that people didn't stop and talk and have that serendipitous yeah. exchange of ideas. But on the other hand, they didn't want it so long to be that long. people found it irritating and they didn't, uh, they, they were away from their work office, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm interested in this community office uh, because I know some companies have encouraged this as a response to the, the demands for flexibility. So people don't want to commute from out of town into the center of London. Yeah. They can maybe go to uh, one of these community uh, offices. What did, you, did you find out what type of people tended to uh, work yes. in such community offices? Yeah, we were we were looking at that sort of data also from a very social media perspective, and we found out that primarily IT company workers who were majorly into um, the information industry, they were the people who were choosing these sort of work uh, hybrid uh, workspaces. Uh, we uh, this is completely out of workspace, but we were dealing with. Um, we were trying we were interviewing women and we were trying to see in in low income communities that what happened to their lives was there a change in their lives and they said earlier they used to cook for three people in the morning and that's it now they cook multiple times because they have kids in the home at one corner they are doing online schooling they have uh, the elderly um, male members uh, who are doing online office work and now or, or, 
or even even a lot of other people who have come and stayed with them and and have actually prolonged their stay so now their work has actually doubled so the time poverty kind of has kicked in so i i i strongly feel um although the industry was primarily which we found out in our survey was uh, mainly um, information and education but i do feel other organized industries also felt the need to kind of shift to at least partially shift to an on complete online platform so would it be that um the employees who choose to to go into these offices are they people who want to have that more clear demarcation between work and home because I, I assume you know you they could do almost everything that they do in that community uh, workspace at home. Yeah, no, I interestingly we never asked these this question, but I always had this question: is it is it only for people who felt that they were not productive at home and they want to go back to offices, or because there's also the other way around? Uh, many people felt I was quite productive in my house, like I I didn't have to spend a lot of time commuting, commuting or dressing up in that sense to get ready for work. So, but still, I um, we have not. I haven't looked at any in terms of data on this sort of aspect, but I have read a lot about uh, in blogs and social media about how people felt uh, quite, I, I think, um, as soon as the offices opened, they, they kind of felt that why do we need to go back to offices? We can we can actually work from our home. And that, and most of the majority of this, but I wouldn't say this data is a representation, but majority of the people with whom, who, I'm, I've heard or talked it was mainly from the social media data are the people who support work from home and are in the information industry. And so data and information industry are the industry who felt probably they could work from anywhere. And I'm also reminded of um, WeWork, right, which obviously is quite notorious, <laughs> been not, um, quite notorious over the last couple of years. But their whole idea of the WeWork shared offices was people could actually interact, socialize, as you say, and learn from other people from different companies and different industries. Did you see that kind of dynamic in these sort of community uh, workspaces? Yeah, so my my, my only um, kind of concern with WeWork is that they, they felt that organizations would be open to sharing their work culture and work data which doesn't happen in these community workspaces. They are, when they are sharing, they're not really sharing their work, um, I would say work-related data, but they're sharing personal experiences. They're, they're probably uh, taking a short break for a coffee and then they're sharing, um, I, don't, I don't know, their personal uh, day experience with the person or something they want to share, which is beyond work. So what we would ideally do in an office space where we would take a coffee break and meet with our colleagues and here they are not meeting with their colleagues so when you meet with your colleague you tend to go back to discussing work here uh, because the other person doesn't belong to the same industry or doesn't belong to uh, ideally the same typology of industry also um, it, it did not the that interaction of work related interaction was not the major uh, subject of discussion. So it is It is primarily uh, a stress release. It is primarily probably a taking a short break in between. So as opposed to WeWork, where you bring in uh, 50 people of the same organization and give them a certain space and then another uh, cluster of 
a different organization. There is in today's world where data becomes uh, really the currency, um, the data sharing might be a big issue in terms of when we bring in organizations of clusters of such places. Here, it was majorly a personal choice. So I think in in the in that sort of WeWork experience is little different than what they are getting in the community spaces. And I would say by little, it's, it's quite different because here the agency of deciding whether I sit at home and spend my eight hours or I go to this community space where I do not have the distraction of the home and yet I can get my work done. So there is, I think it, this is an evolving space in terms of economic activity and it is it is a good business model but it is uh, it would need a lot more uh, understanding in terms of what designs work so I, I i think the first response was let's make it look like a cafe shop or an art gallery or something like that so and these these are like multipurpose spaces so you can have an art um, installation and yet have people work throughout the day and the evening you can have an event of uh, maybe um, a show about the art that you have displayed and you can call on people and people can so it's it's quite a mix of functions but it's still a very good uh, economic model in the sense it provides a more democratic process of choice of space it provides a more democratic process of um, the agency to the people who are actually going to work so it, probably moving ahead this would be quite an interesting um, space to study which i think we are still understudied and still remains a lot to be uh, answered work from home in a way it runs counter to what let's say big tech has been trying to do where they try to have these beautiful corporate campuses where you can you you're shuttled in you've got the laundromat you've got free food there's a rec room gym it's, i mean everything is taken care of and the whole idea is um, more and more of your time is spent in the office do you think that um, that sort of model of a corporate campus uh, is going to continue or are people actually saying no i want to have my home time well uh, in order to make a judgment whether these corporate campuses would still thrive uh, post pandemic is is i think um, we're still far away from that to respond but what my opinion is what the work from home made all of us realize i think majority of the population realized the benefit of work life balances and yes we were probably working more and not really paying attention to our um, home life but we were still integrated to it and i i'm pretty sure all of us was do doing a level of multitasking which was impossible even if you had the homely environment in your workspace so that sort of so work i i think this realization that work and home are two different places and and could be seamlessly integrated without having the stress being carried over to each space is something what work from home kind of made us realize and i i think this this agency or this thought process would actually trigger a major change in the office environment activity. I'm pretty sure we were all saying that I'm dying to go back to office. And the day it opened and when we started commuting to our offices, we all felt the uh, the stress of going going there. And and, and, that, and that's common to every space. I, and I know um, 
young um, population who had just they had they had seen a different sort of a work work world so they were excited to go go to their office space and then finally they realized that it is as efficient as working from home so it 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 probably this 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 whole realization that work and life can be demarcated and should be demarcated i think that itself made all of us realize that there is a new form of workspace that is required it doesn't have to be a completely regimented space which we saw in the early 20th century or it doesn't have to be a completely integrated home like looking environment and yet you can't behave like it. it's a home so is is something uh, i think we all have realized and it's also very culture specific the home like environment probably works in a somewhat culture in some cultures here in the office spaces and that's why you see concentration of these offices in a certain region of the world whereas um, in certain cultures even if you are in that sort of a environment where you have a laundromat and a childcare center and a gymnasium you probably wouldn't expect your coworker to wear anything there was there's probably a dress etiquette that is required there's probably an um, response to your workspace requirement which is required and so i think it's also very culture specific and we and that's why probably we see concentration of these sort of offices in certain cultures more than other cultures even though many people like the idea that they can they have a gym in their offices but, but if, if i'm pretty sure not everybody is using that i i can't imagine um, myself in a gym with with my boss but never <laughs> but we only have a couple exactly. of minutes left and yeah. ronita i wanted to ask you about some work you've done um, other than office design, this uh, work you've done on India slums housing. Yeah. What yeah. can you tell us very briefly? What what uh, what you did there? Yeah. So um, prior base basically, I've been working on residential um, sector for a very long time, and typically low income housing. And we wanted to. Well, I started working because uh, it was a new typology of housing that is coming up in the global south as a response to the housing shortage that. And there is a lot more informal uh, housing that will be re replaced by these um, affordable housing sector, and these slum rehabilitation housing are a response to that. And and there was there is absolutely when I started working there was absolutely no data on how do these people live? Do they like it or do they abandon it? And uh, is is it the same process of people abandoning it and going back into the slums and not um, uh, actually using these spaces that are designed for them? And then it was quite astonishingly, the policy is so well, um, I would say carved, that people don't really have to move out of the place that they were initially living. So they solved the problem of workplace and house distance balance which is required typically poorer people cannot afford to work beyond a certain limit and in the global south we found if your workspace is uh, if their workspace is more than two kilometers away they typically do not continue to work in that space because they cannot afford uh, financially or it's not economic uh, enough for them to travel longer distance so that kind of um, we started looking at it from various angles we i started looking at it from energy slowly understood it's not an energy problem it's more of a health problem so we were looking at how uh, tuberculosis was actually spreading more in these houses just because the design was not well thought and then um, uh, we 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 were looking at uh, gender balance and equality there also and how 
a certain gender gets um, loses their agency if they are put into a wrongly designed space and slowly we realize design can be uh, very empowering in a sense that it can actually enable a um, lot of life activities a uh, lot of democracy and if the design is more restricted and more regimented it can actually um, we we actually saw uh, certain communities where the design was really poor women actually went out of informal labor market and that's that means they were so much time uh, impoverished i would say the time poverty was so high that they did, could not afford to go and get themselves in, enrolled into a vocational training get into a, a formal labor market whereas a good design one so we compared between a good design and a bad design and um, uh, uh, and and then we saw in in the good design space the the women typically had the time to get themselves uh, the vocational training to go into informal labor markets and and I'm just talking about labor market it has lot to do with agency about what was the thermal comfort like what was the ventilation like as compared to when they were living in the slums and there's the so the whole body of work my whole body of work was that during pandemic because i work with these communities very closely i was talking to these people a lot um i just was taking just trying to know whether they are doing well or not and they and i was continuously trying to understand how are they affected in the pandemic is the design causing uh, an imbalance in their way they are now that they, everybody is at home um can they still uh, keep up the community level um engagement that they were doing the social networking that they were doing in the community because these communities strive on the social network and once that breaks it, it's kind it kind of has effects uh, knock off effects in in their economic uh, generation capabilities also so i i i started talking to them and they said that yes uh, we are we are now declared as ticking bombs that we will explode because we 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 lives in such hyper dense situation um we we are prone to catching the virus and spreading it through the city and cities like mumbai cities in the sub saharan africa where these uh, the densities especially in ethiopia where the densities are quite high in these low income communities uh, they were viewed as potential places from where the infections can spread throughout the city which was not rightly um, kind of pointed out which we have uh, been studying so we wanted to see if design was enabling and disabling them in this uh, in the pandemic lockdowns and that's when i realized if it's happening in these um, uh, in these communities it, it's probably also happening in the workspace environment and so we started um, so i was very lucky to have uh, my phd student miss um, jayupan who a kind of got interested in this topic and she and myself have been now working on it and it's her phd work also a part of it would be uh, her phd work so jayu and myself have been visiting these offices and trying to get an understand first from a very phenomenological point of view whether uh, what how do people react to these new type of work environment so uh, i i think it was a very natural flow because we all realized workspaces would be different because now homes are becoming different so i'm moving ahead i'm actually looking forward future of home and future of work and that's why i so we because these will be these low income housing or affordable housing will be future of homes that we'll be looking in the next decade and definitely work is quite an interesting space to see in terms of how design can empower or can actually provide democratic spaces for thinking
Thanks very much, Ronita. That's very uh, exciting sort of work that you're doing. And I can see so many possibilities in terms of um, obviously giving more opportunities for low-income households, but also thinking about how the design of the home helps people if they could make use of a lot of these remote work opportunities. And we will put a link to um, your YouTube video where you talk a lot more about your work uh, with Indian slum housing uh, in the yeah. show notes. So thank you very much, Ronita. Thank you so much, Conrad. It was lovely talking to you. <laughs>